chapter 22. Merry Christmas. At length, toward noon, upon the final dismissal of the ship's riggers, and after the Pequod had been hauled out from the wharf, and after the ever-thoughtful Charity had come off in a whaleboat with her last gift, and a nightcap for Stubb, the second mate, her brother-in-law, and a spare Bible for the steward, after all this, the two captains, Peleg and Bildad, issued from the captain, the cabin, and turning to the chief mate, Peleg said, Now, Mr. Starbuck, are you sure everything is right? Captain Ahab is all ready, just spoke to him. Nothing more to be got from shore, eh? Well, call all hands, then. Muster him aft here, blast him. No need of profane words, however great to hurry, Peleg, said Bildad. But away with thee, friend Starbuck, and do our bidding. How now? Here upon the very point of starting for the voyage, Captain Peleg and Captain Bildad were going it with a high hand on the quarter-deck, just as if they were to be joint commanders at sea, as well as to all appearances in port. And as for Captain Ahab, no sign of him was yet to be seen, only they... They, they said he was in the cabin. But then the idea was that his presence was by no means necessary in getting the ship under way and steering her well out to sea, and indeed as that was not at all his proper business, but the pilots, and, and as he was not yet completely recovered, so they said, therefore Captain Ahab stayed below. And all this seemed natural enough, especially as in the merchant service many captains never show themselves on deck for a considerable time after heaving up the anchor, but remain over the cabin table having a farewell merrymaking with their shore friends before they quit the ship for good with the pilot. But there was not much chance to think over the matter, for Captain Peleg was now all alive. He seemed to do most of the talking and commanding, and not Bildad. Aft here, you sons of bachelors, he cried as the sailors lingered at the mainmast. Mr. Starbuck! Drive him aft! Strike the tent there! was the next order. As I hinted before, this, this whalebone marquee was never pitched except in port, and on board the Pequod for thirty years the order to strike the tent was well known to be the next thing to heaving up the anchor. Man the capstan! Blood and thunder jump! was the next command, and the crew sprang for the handspikes. Now, in getting underway, the, the station generally occupied by the pilot is the forward part of the ship, and here Bildad, who with, uh, with Peleg, be it known, in addition to his other offices, was one of the licensed pilots of the port, he being suspected to have got himself made a pilot in order to save the Nantucket pilot fee to all the ships he was concerned in, for he never piloted any other craft. Bildad, I say, might now be seen actively engaged in looking over the bows for the approaching anchor, and at intervals singing what seemed a dismal stave of psalmody to cheer the hands at the windlass, who roared forth some sort of a chorus about the girls in Booble Alley with hearty goodwill. Nevertheless, not three days previous, Bildad had told them that no profane songs would be allowed on board the Pequod, particularly in getting underway, and Charity, his sister, had placed a small, choice copy of Watts in each seaman's berth. Meantime, say, overseeing the other part of the ship, Captain Peleg ripped and swore astern in the most frightful manner. I almost thought he'd sink the ship before the anchor could be got up. Involuntarily, I paused on my handspike and told Queequeg to do the same, thinking of the perils we both ran in starting on the voyage with such a devil for a pilot. I was comforting myself, however, with the thought that in pious Bildad might be found some uh, salvation, spite of his 777th lay, when I felt a sudden sharp poke in my rear and turning round was horrified at the apparition of Captain Peleg in the act of withdrawing his leg from my immediate vicinity. That was my first kick. 
Is that the way you heave in the marching service? He roared. Spring now, sheephead. Spring and break thy backbone. Why don't you spring all of you, I say. Spring. Quahog. Spring thou, chap with the red whiskers. Spring there, scotch cap. Spring thou, green pants. Spring, I say, all of you. Spring your eyes out. And so saying, he moved among the wingless here and there, using his leg very freely, while imperturbable Bildad kept leading off with his psalmody. Thinks I, Captain Pelling must have been drinking something today. At last, the anchor was up, the sails were set, and off we glided. It was a short, cold Christmas. And as the short northern day merged into night, we found ourselves almost broad upon the wintry ocean, whose freezing spray cased us in ice, as in polished armor. The long rows of teeth on the bulwarks glistened in the moonlight, and like the white ivory tusks of some huge elephant, vast curving icicles depended from the bows. Lank Bildad, as pilot, headed the first watch, and ever and anon, as the old craft deep-dived into the green seas and sent the shivering frost all over her, and the winds howled and the cordage rang, his steady notes were heard. Sweet fields beyond the swelling flood stand dressed in living green. So too the Jews old Canaan stood while Jordan rolled between. Never did those sweet words sound more sweetly to me than then. They were full of hope and fruition. Spite of this frigid winter night in the boisterous Atlantic, spite of my wet feet and wetter jacket, there was yet it then seemed to me many a pleasant haven in store and meads and glades so eternally vernal that the grass shot up by the spring, untrodden, unwilted, remains at midsummer. At last we gained such an offing that the two pilots were needed no longer. The stout sailboat that had accompanied us began ranging alongside. It was curious and not unpleasing how Peleg and Bildad were affected at this juncture, especially Captain Bildad, for loath to depart yet for very loath to leave for good a ship bound on so long and perilous a voyage beyond both stormy capes, a ship in which some thousands of his hard-earned dollars were invested, a ship in which an old shipmate stale as captain, a man almost as old as he, once more starting to encounter all the terrors of the pitiless jaw, loath to say goodbye to a thing so every way brimful of every interest to him. Poor old Bildad lingered long, paced the deck with ancient strides, ran down into the cabin to speak another farewell world there, and again came on deck and looked to windward, looked toward the wide and endless waters, only bounded by the far-off, unseen eastern continents, looked toward the land, looked aloft, looked right and left, looked everywhere and nowhere, and at last, mechanically coiling a rope upon its pin, convulsively mechanic grasped stout Peleg by the hand, and in holding up a lantern, for a moment stood gazing heroically in his face, as much as to say, Nevertheless, friend Peleg, I can stand it, yes, I can. As for Peleg himself, he took it more like a philosopher. But for all his philosophy, there was a tear twinkling in his eye when the lantern came too near, and he too did not a little run from cabin to deck. Now a word below, and now a word with Starbuck, the chief mate. But at last he turned to his comrade with a final sort of look about him. Captain Bildad, Captain. Come, old shipmate, we must go. Back the main yard there. Boat ahoy! Stand by. Come close alongside now. Careful! Careful! Come, build that boy. Say your last. Luck to you, Starbuck. Luck to you, Mr. Stubb. Luck to you, Mr. Flask. Goodbye. Good luck to you all. 
And this three, three years, I'll have a hot supper smoking for you in old Nantucket. Hurrah, and away. God bless you and have you in his holy keeping, men, murmured old Bildad, almost incoherently. I hope you'll have fine weather now, so that Captain Ahab may soon be moving among ye. A pleasant sun is all he needs, and you'll have plenty of them in the tropic voyage ye go. Be careful in the hunt, ye mates. Don't stave the boats needlessly, ye harpooners. Good white cedar plank is raised full three percent within the year. Don't forget your prayers, either. Mr. Starbuck, mind the cooper. Don't waste the spare staves. Oh, the, the sail needles are in the green locker. Don't wail it too much a Lord's Day's men. But don't miss a fair chance, either. That's rejecting heaven's good gifts. Have an eye to the molasses tears, Mr. Stubb. It was a little leaky, I thought. If you touch at the islands, Mr. Flask, beware of fornication. Goodbye. Goodbye. Don't keep that cheese too long down in the hold, Mr. Starbuck. It'll spoil. Uh, be careful with the butter. Twenty cents the pound it was. And mind you... Come, 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 Captain Bildad. Stop palavering. Away. And with that... Peleg hurried him over the side, and both dropped into the boat. Ship and boat diverged, and the cold, damp night breeze blew between. A screaming gull flew overhead. The two hulls widely roiled. We gave three heavy-hearted cheers and blindly plunged like fate into the lone Atlantic.